Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, how I wish that this was behind the bastards. I'm, I'm, we were talking about Rick Springfield, Jesse's girl. It's everyone here's you favorite song. We Rick all just learned all of us, our favorite song is Jesse's girl. Great song. Okay. Mm-hmm. Speak for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is your favorite song, Robert? It, it's Jesse's girl by Rick Springfield. It is I want to I want to I want to mm, tell Rick Springfield that I love him, but the point is probably moot. That is not. That was a Jesse's song. girl joke. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite song? What song are you? I don't know. I don't think I, you can really have a favorite song. Like, because okay, songs okay, are so tight. the question. I have songs. Like, it's I have, cat, um, there's a. It's Cats in the Cradle. This different. No, I hate that song. But like, for, <laughs> for different songs for different moments, right? Like, when my mom died, the first thing we listened to was Miserere by uh, the Cat Empire. Um, and that's mm. like a song for, for that particular moment. Um, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I like listening to, to all sorts of shit. I like, if I'm running, I'm going to put on some infected mushroom or some shit. Cause I want to like get moving. Um, if okay. I'm sitting and writing, I'm probably going to listen to like Yonder Mountain String Band and Green Sky Bluegrass doing like live shows at Red Rocks and shit. Cause that works good with writing. I don't know. Do I don't really have, a, have like Do you ever favorite. have a yacht rock moment? Yeah. I like some yacht rock. I like, some, you know who I, Me you too. know who I, who I like Jamie Loftus, uh, is fucking uh, every now and then in the right moment. Uh, it's, okay. there, there's, um, um, the fucking, oh God, how am I spacing on his name? Right. Five o'clock somewhere guy, Margaritaville guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. I went to Margaritaville last night. That sounds Have fun. I did. I got I got uh and it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh and it cost five hundred dollars. And then I went to see Minions Rise of Gru. 
all buzzed up. Wow. Um, how was the how was the drink? How was the Buffett Margarita? <laughs> it was disgusting. Uh, it was yeah, they, they are. I I love going to Margaritaville because it is the trashiest place you can possibly be as a human being. <laughs> you, there's no. It is. You can't do battery worse. acid. Um, it's not. It's non alcoholic battery good. acid. Either. Nothing's you good. You can't get drunk no. there. You could like can't get drunk there. You will and get it's disgusting. Yeah, you will give yourself diabetes before you can get drunk at a Margaritaville. But but hey, that's why I go. They have a fake volcano. At least the one in Vegas does. And I, I love do. showing up Not already housed at a Margaritaville in Vegas. Well, like, you that's have the way to because you yeah. can't really yeah. make a lot of progress there. You just you just get completely skull fucked on like cheap liquor that you bought at one of the liquor stores four miles away from the strip. So it's not mm-hmm. like completely not ridiculous. You bring a flask yeah. in with you and you add shit to their terrible margaritas and you have one of the worst hamburgers of your life while you watch a, a shitty floor show. It's the best. I can't I can't do the food there. Even as a joke, I can't do the food there. Yeah. But <laughs> it's I so did, bad. I, it's like... Too bad to even eat as a funny mm-hmm. joke. But yeah, if yeah, five o'clock somewhere at Margaritaville. And then I you know, you bring like a couple of nips to put into your soda at the movies. And yeah, then or you take some ketamine or you snort some ketamine in the bathroom of a Margaritaville okay, see, off of, of the back grade. of your friend's phone. Like that's so, okay. And then that's and some people do that. And I'm sure they did that while I was there. Because I've, why not? Jamie, I've done that. What? Um, I've done that probably. Never been less shocked in my life. Probably (laughs) while you were there, because I'm always at Margaritaville in some form. I feel like we would really have a good time at Margaritaville. I saw Margaritaville at an airport in Puerto Rico. Now we're fucking talking. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's the good stuff. And they just called it Air Margaritaville. Hell yeah. That's exactly what I want. Okay, so Jamie, when we last left off, um, Helena Mm -hmm. Blavatsky, H. Blatt, H. Blatt? A, 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 Wait, hmm. Oh, what? H. Blatt, something like that. What do we do for her nickname? What do we call her? H. Blatt. Anyway. The Blatt. The Blatts. The, the Blattster. <laughs> the Blattster had just made her way to Crittenden <laughs> to hang out with this journalist, Henry Olcott, um, who yeah. was getting hard. Olcott is in this period just getting super pilled on the paranormal. Like, yeah, future this, president of theosophy himself. Even. Yeah. he And he again, he starts off as like this upper middle class lawyer guy who had like done an administrative job so well in the, for the Union Army during the Civil War that he got made a colonel and but had just been like waiting his whole life for something weird to make him feel special and again he has he had like he's he's like abandoned his family in order to like become a seeker um his like wife and kids he's a cool dude uh Henry Olcott so I love that for him he meets Helena Blavatsky she she reads his articles about this farmhouse medium thing in Crittenden and goes over and just like immediately wraps this dude the fuck around her finger like she is she is this is and again she, she is not one of the things that's interesting about her you talk about like l ron hubbard he's conning people constantly right just his life is an endless yeah. series of cons that are at least successful at, for a period of time she's yeah. been failing pretty much non-stop like you do which not, i feel like takes yeah. a special kind of scammer to yeah. continue persisting in the face of yeah. Only flops. <laughs> she is broke. Most of her scams are flops. When she gets someone to believe in her, it doesn't usually mean much of any money. Like, she's not mm-hmm. good at this. So it says a lot about Henry that she so completely, like, instantly just, like, dominates this man's life and mind. It's very funny. Um, he was just waiting for this. Like, you get the feeling with Henry Olcott, he's just this guy who always wanted nothing but, like, 
some occult lady to tell him there's magic. Like he just is I, ready to be a wizard immediately. I mean, people are, are like always looking for confirmation mm-hmm. of this. And I feel like, like figures like Helena Blavatsky, even though she like could not pull off a scam for so long, like they just like live in people's brains because they like visually represent something that people want to be true. And even though they yeah. can prove it, they're just so ready. I don't know. I've, it's like a st- an aesthetic appeal, too. It's part of the thing, like, J.K. Rowling became a billionaire because she was able to tap into that sort of thing just within... Sure. Because, a, 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 like, like, there were all, like, how many of the people listening right now as little kids, like, waited to get a fucking letter from their, a magic school and shit? Like, that's Henry mm-hmm. Olcott. He's like, that's, he's like the first oh, of those God. guys. That's and so Helena he's Blavatsky's like a 50-year-old like, man who's you're waiting a wizard, for his letter Henry. to Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, he's a 50-year-old man who's abandoned his children so that he can learn he's to like, be a wizard. <laughs> One of those embarrassing people who was like, where are those ugly graphic tees? Like still waiting for my letters. Yes, that that is Henry Olcott. Um, God. And he yeah, he falls for her immediately. She she does some pretty basic cons um, and he starts to write articles about her. And I want to quote now from an article published by the Oxford University Press titled The West Turns Eastward. Quote, Olcott was impressed. He began to write about her, and she therefore became a prominent figure in the spiritualist movement, soon afterwards defending first the authenticity of the Chittenden phenomena against a skeptical Dr. Beard, and then the authenticity of, a simil- of the similar manifestations of John and Katie King in Philadelphia. So we're not going to get into Katie King often enough, but she's like this guy's dead daughter. I, least, yeah. You want to you oh, talk I, a little bit about Katie King oh, for us, Oh, I know about Katie King. Yeah. Katie King, I mean, I, God, I... I also uh, kind of opted not to go into her on Ghost Church because I feel like her story is like very adjacent to there's like a lot of stories like this at the time. But she she was a um, I feel like just sort of another example of a uh, physical medium who I mean, her thing was like she went fucking big. She had like an entire separate person that she Mm -hmm. could, quote unquote, conjure. There was like a lot of magic involved, like a lot of magic tricks involved. And uh, she was able to like really get a gigantic following uh, and then, you know, (laughs) uh, is eventually exposed and uh, dies in obscurity. It's the same story, unfortunately, that happens a million times. But it, but she's an interesting one. She, she had a lot of eyes on her at, uh, and it was also like the the sexuality element to her performance as well. And and she is one of the things that that Blavatsky starts by doing is backing Katie King is like like making these like writing articles and being because she she realizes very because again she's she is she's not been great as a con person but she's. She's figured mm-hmm. some stuff out. Maybe it's just that she's older. And she kind of intuitively grasps that like, okay, what I need to be doing to start is not push in immediately with my own grift, but establish myself as a credible expert on the paranormal. And then anytime a paranormal story goes viral, I want journalists reaching out to me, Helena Blavatsky. I want to be the one. So she's just trying to shit. become like a point of con. Okay. Yes, that's, yes. I, I didn't realize that. There was because yeah the woman so Katie that's how she starts Katie yeah. King is the spirit Florence Cook is the medium yes um, yeah I'm not you know whatever I'm not really anti th- them and but like yeah Arthur Conan Doyle was really into her oh, yeah. as well a- another guy like Henry Olcott who was just a perfect mark from the beginning 
Um, So Dr. Beard, the skeptic mentioned earlier, describes the two of them, Olcott and Blavatsky, this way. Quote, H.S. Olcott is a rabid spiritualist. He capitalizes both of the R and the S in that. And H.P. Blavatsky is an occultist, one who laughs at the supposed agency of spirits, but all the same pretends to be one herself. But the criticism – so like that's – like he notes that – because again, Blavatsky is – She's coming at this from a different angle than the actual spiritualists. She's backing that these people right. are channeling something, but she doesn't believe it like it's ghosts. She believes it's basically kind of like psychic imprints of people, if I'm understanding her argument correctly. Um, okay. And yeah, so the fact that this doctor is like attacking her and attacking Olcott, again, it, it's the same way shit works now. It only heightens her prominence in the weirdo spiritualist set. The fact that like skeptics are attacking her for branding herself as a paranormal expert helps to set mm-hmm. her career off. Um, and right. Yeah. And, she, and, it, and also it sounds like she's also like she's finding a way to like capitalize on the hype of spiritualism without fully backing yes. it to like make space for her to develop her own ideology. Yeah. Uh, and part yeah. of a, part of I think why she's successful is she's she's mutating it a little bit, right? It's the same way a virus right. works, right? You want to if you want to escape immune capture, you have to like yeah, alter it a little bit. And that's what she's doing. And that the fact that she's bringing something new to what is by by 1875 it's kind of boring, right? Spiritualism yeah, it's is been not like new. 30 years. Yeah, new and exciting. And she is making it exciting again by changing changing the game. In 1875, yeah. she writes an article in response to another article on Rosicrucianism. And it was here that she first described her beliefs in a concise way. Quote, occultism or magic stands in relation to spiritualism as the infinite to the finite, or as the infinite to the finite, as the cause to the effect, or as the unity to multifariousness. So she's like, what you're actually seeing with uh, with these summonings isn't like the thing itself. It's just like one thing you can do with these spirits, right? And people right. are not – people have not actually been like exploring all of the things that magic can bring you. Now, this was – Which an ex- is an interesting like yeah. flavor variation on spiritualism. Yeah. Yes, yes. And also opens up your ability to kind of like grift off of it significantly. So this was a really good time to be spouting that particular line of bullshit because it was – it was spiritual and religious, but also, and this is something you, you alluded to earlier, it it was more modern than religion itself, which was undergoing a crisis at the end of the 1800s. Scientific right. advances had rapidly thrown a lot of old knowledge into disarray, and many people had come to believe that like scientific progress and Christianity were in direct conflict. Geologists had pretty recently shown that the world was a lot older than – people believed it was like 6,000 years old because some dude in the church like did weird Bible math, and like that – it was becoming clear that that was not accurate. Uh, Darwin's theory of evolution was like starting to really pick up steam uh, in terms of like widespread acceptance. Um, And also for the first time, the machines people were making were like things that wildly exceeded anything found in nature, right? Up until pretty much this point, the fastest way to travel anywhere, unless you've got like a train, is a fucking horse, right? Now people are making like cars and shit. There's like light bulbs and stuff. Um, Right. That's, yeah, yeah, that that is part of like what is kind of like so fascinating about spiritualism was like how they were able to, at least for a while, ingratiate themselves into like, this is a scientifically backed religion. And they still say that at every single spiritualist service that happens. And that Blavatsky starts that Blavatsky is like the primary motive force behind that switch from the Oxford university press quote, 
She described science and theology as two conflicting titans between which a bewildered public was fast losing all belief in man's personal immortality and in a deity of any kind. She thought that her contemporaries needed a religion that could meet the challenge of modern science, and she thought that occultism provided just such a religion. So when she's mm. talking about the occult, she's thinking talking about like spirits and gods and all that stuff and kind of dealing with it technically the same way that you deal with like physics to put a fucking plane in the air. Um, mm. Now, as I've noted, she is unique in that she starts pushing this in a really public way. Um, but she's not an original thinker. She is not creating anything on her own. And she does her best work. She's a fan fiction writer, right? That's essentially what she's doing. So many, um, like, yeah. horrible, like, eventually horrible spiritual leaders are fan fiction yeah. writers. And, and she is she is literally pivoting not off of other spiritual texts that people are writing, but a huge mm -hmm. amount of what she's writing is her taking fiction that other people had written and, like, repurposing what it. Fiction? Particularly the works of Edward Bull were Lytton, who's the guy who wrote okay. The Coming Race, which is that book about like underground a su uh, super race. Uh, this is the dude who, her, her, again, her mom had translated some of these guys' books when she was a kid. Um, mm -hmm. And, and Bulwer-Lytton's stories often centered on like a race or a civilization that had been kind of the font of all human culture and science. There was also this idea of Vril, which is this like, basically like this spiritual equivalent of electricity is kind of the way Bulwer-Lytton describes yeah. it. Um, heard, yeah. Yeah. And for Blavatsky's unfolding, she basically, she starts making the case that like, no, Bulwer-Lytton wasn't writing fiction. Bulwer-Lytton was like uh, tapping into something very true or like, I, you know, hiding it a little bit or whatever, which I yeah, to be that that argument is fair. always a fun one of like, they said they were writing fiction, but they mm -hmm. didn't realize they were tapped into a higher spiritual power. And, and it was a chance. That's my, my channeled texts yeah. are my favorite shit in the world. Oh yeah. We'll like, be talking about that. Yeah. Jesus wrote this. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay. 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 I have a, I have okay. a, my favorite, I own a couple when I was researching ghost church and my favorite one is, um, channeled from, uh, someone who died on the Titanic. Oh, nice. I yeah. would like that. I may do that for my next book, but have it still be about like cyborg Superman fighting in a post-Civil War United States, but just be like, no, this was absolutely <laughs> written by a nine-year-old who died on the Titanic for sure. She, yeah. This is this is what the this message she story. has for the world. Yeah. This is her story. I do yeah. get all the proceeds, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. this is her story. This is her yeah. story about horny cyborgs in the 2070s. She this is what she wanted to to teach people. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So for Blavatsky's unfolding spiritual cosmology, India was going to be like what she gave as the center and source of ancient knowledge. She wrote that although many Westerners had seen Egypt as the source previously, quote, it has been discovered that the very same ideas expressed in almost identical language may be read in Buddhistic and Brahmanical literature. Now, Orientalists at the time had started again, because she's not creating anything out of whole cloth. She's reading other people's work. And a lot of Orientalists had started to make the claim that Hinduism predated Christianity. Blavatsky added their work to her own ideas and to Bulwer-Lytton. She mashed in real bits of actual religion that she'd encountered while traveling. And she came up with a brand new story to tell people. Quote, 6,000 years ago, India had contained a brilliant civilization that was overflowing with people. Later, a matured section of these people had immigrated to eastern Ethiopia, where they had become known as the Mighty Builders, and from where they had colonized Egypt. And finally, Western culture owed much to a Judaic law that had come from these Egyptians. There was, therefore, an ancient wisdom that underlaid all religions, and this ancient wisdom had definite Indian roots. As Blavatsky explained... 
There is not one of all these sects, Kabbalism, Judaism, and our present Christianity included, but sprang from the two main branches of that mother trunk, the once universal religion, which antedated the Vedic ages we speak of that prehistoric Buddhism, which merged later into Brahmanism. Now, Mm. none of that's accurate historically, right? Um, I I think experts on Buddhism and and Brahmanism would all be like, well, wait a second, that's not not at all what happened. And also experts are just like, we're humans, like obviously people. Like the first human beings, I mean, again, this is a contentious issue, but uh, it, it's not that. That's not what happened. There's no, like, all of the evidence we have is not that. <laughs> right. It, it's so, like, that is, like, one of, I feel like, the huge, huge issues with, like, all branches of spiritualism. is like, spiritualism has a particular issue with historically misrepresenting indigenous culture oh, yes. completely. Yeah. And just, like co-opting indigenous culture to say whatever they need them to say. And then Blavatsky's doing that in the East. She is. And she's not, again, one of the things that you might argue is positive is that kind of previously the dominant beliefs in Western culture had been like Hinduism and Buddhism were these kind of like weird, pagan, degenerate, like not advanced, savage and stuff. Like this, these were especially the British, right? This was one of the justifications the British had for what they were doing in India was all of these these uh, Hindu practices that were were just, you know, in, in their eyes, horrific. Um, and Blavatsky is is fighting against that. Is saying that like, Christianity and Judaism are like them are, are themselves kind of the degenerated um, offspring of 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 like the of Brahmanism of of, of you know what people call Hinduism. Um, mm-hmm. So you could say that's p- positive, but also it's not. Re- she, nothing she's talking about is real Hinduism or re- real Buddhism. She's like using these words and bits and pieces of these stories and mixing it with like her favorite fantasy author. It's like if you it's like if you took Zoroastrianism and like jammed it into Game of Thrones and then told people that that was like your an actual religion. Well, that's the thing. It's like and 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 you know, knock yourself out, but like keep it to yourself. Yeah, or like <laughs> make it thing, clear you know? that it's fiction. Don't start a Right, yeah. like, or yeah, don't yeah. don't start don't start a religious cult about it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong if you're like a fiction author of being like, oh, these real world beliefs are interesting, and I'm I'm writing this fantasy book, and I'm inspired by this and by that. Like, obviously, you sure, can do that in absolutely. fucked up ways, but there's nothing inherently wrong with that idea. She is just saying, no, this is the real Buddhism and the real Hinduism, um, and I'm I'm the one who actually knows what's what these things are. That is that is extra. Um, I mean, it's like it's one thing to invent a religion that is all religions, but to like steal, like dishonestly steal from other religions in order to prop up your own bunk religion is just like extra shitty. Here's the cool thing. She's also kind of shit talking anyone who knows anything about these religions, including like the actual practitioners. Oh, sure, because she's the only one who knows because she's been there. I'm going to read another quote about that. Quote, Blavatsky justified her selective use of contemporary occultism by using two interconnected distinctions. If anyone claimed that Indian religions were not as she said, she simply replied that this person had focused on either modern Hinduism or the exoteric meaning of the Vedic works, not on the true esoteric meaning of ancient Brahmanism. She argued that scholars often fell into the trap of taking modern Hinduism or the Vedas at face value when the true religion of India remained hidden in the esoteric Brahmanical teachings of the Vedas. Indeed, whilst Orientalists rightly had dated the Vedas as pre-Christian, we should not trust their interpretations of Vedic works since they could not perceive the inner meanings of these works. Blavatsky wrote, Our scientists do not say nay, do not, nay, cannot understand correctly the old Hindu literature. 
And so again, she is framing this as like Westerners have misinterpreted this, but she is also at the same time saying actual people in India aren't really worshiping proper Hinduism. Modern Hinduism isn't right. They don't understand the secret message of their own religion. I do. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just like galaxy brain asshole behavior. Like it is, just. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, she, yeah. She's like, oh, you think that my interpretation of an entire culture is wrong? Well, argue with the wall, I guess. Yeah, like, argue, you're just like, yeah. okay. You just don't get the secret meanings of your own religious texts. Um, so she began meeting with wow. prominent Gaslight academics. Gaslight gatekeep yeah. girl oh, boss. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, it, yeah. this is like, this is <laughs> like the absolute highest tier of cultural appropriation. Like it does, yeah. it does, yeah. it, it does not get more appropriating than this. This is, this is the top of that particular mountain. And within um, spiritualist I, uh, uh, ideas, that is Really saying something. Yeah, that it is It is quite an achievement. So she begins yeah. meeting with all these academics, writers, and celebrities. She starts to get very famous doing this, like pushing this line, bringing in these attitudes. She is part of why the concept of karma gets to the United States in a popular way. Um, mm -hmm. It is because of Blavatsky and like these this social scene that she sets up in New York City that asking people, how's your karma, like becomes common in the 1890s. Like that is, we have Helena Blavatsky to thank for that concept, being part wow. of American culture in the way that it is, which is not, you know, to say anything about how karma is actually treated in, in the religions and stuff, but like why kind of our attitudes towards it. She starts that. She popularizes it here. Um mm -hmm. So she starts, she, again, they, they call them salons and stuff. She's always like hanging out with celebrities and writers and shit in these like bars and clubs and stuff, giving talks on different <laughs> elements of spiritualism. Um, and she yeah. has, she develops as she builds this following, all these different little tricks for like making people convinced that she's got the truth. Her particular favorite is she would have a mysterious person who was supposed to be her master Kuthumi teleporting from Tibet to like New York, deliver a letter okay. to another person who was like she was trying I, to bring on as a mark yeah sorry i forget is this a real person or is this no, a person she's no, made up she has okay this, this is person. one of her made up people yes. okay so like basically yeah. another a lot, big like, spiritualism thing is made up people so like <laughs> yeah sometimes it would be like a person in a costume handing over and we'll talk about this later sometimes it would just be like a letter falls out of you know somewhere in the building and like lands on somebody's head and it's like you know this is a letter written in the handwriting of kuthumi this is like my my master wanted you to have this piece of information and it's it's a big part of like why people get on the Blavatsky train is like once she meets an individual and she's like, oh, you're a popular journalist or like you're a celebrity, you've got some clout. I'm going to make sure you have this like encounter with Master Kuthumi that he's like, he needs you to know this. That's why this letter apparated in front of you, you know? Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Um, it's real, real cool shit. Uh, her biographer, Marion Mead, writes that in bringing Eastern mysticism to the salons and upper-class parties of New York, Madame Blavatsky, quote, paved the way for contemporary transcendental meditation, Zen, Hare Krishnas, yoga and vegetarianism, karma and reincarnations, swamis, yogis, and gurus. She is the first guru in the Western world in like a, a, a proper sense. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty good stuff. Wow. Really, really, uh, really smearing the name of actual gurus. Yes. Um, yeah, it's cool shit. 
Um, it's very cool shit. Jules Evans writes, quote, she claimed that she had discovered the lost city of Shambhala in the Gobi Desert and there encountered a great white brotherhood. They were led by the Lord of the World who descended from the planet Venus. Other masters included Manu, Maitreya, Jesus, and Buddha, Mesmer, and two Indian gentlemen called Master Murray and Kuthumi. These two lived in a valley in Tibet in an underground city with subterranean tunnels from which they emerged occasionally to guide humanity and communicate with their favorite adept, <sighs> Helena Blavatsky. Against the this white mm-hmm. brotherhood, there was a secret order of dark forces, black magicians seeking to gain power and harm humanity. In the words of Peter Washington, occasionally the war between the lords and brothers reaches a violent public climax in events such as the crucifixion of Jesus, when the esoteric becomes exoteric and the secret struggle is briefly revealed. Okay, so this is shit. Yeah. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I think the first time in Blavatsky speak where this is like, completely outside of anything that I've studied with spiritualism. Like this is just like, is, is this the, the hard left moment? Like this is, so people have been writing recently, some kind of more mainstream journalists have noticed that like the, the new age community and kind of the occult community has like a fascism problem that has been increasingly an issue. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sure. And, and a lot of that has come through QAnon. There's huge new age elements. It's very tied into like alternative medicine and like, uh, 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 meditation, like different kinds of like energy healing and stuff. That's all really big in that community. And sure. there's this attitude that they're really separate. No, they started the, these these conspiratorial beliefs about there being this secret order of like white hats fighting the evil black hats in the background of everything, and that all exogenic like exoteric conflicts are like really the result of this secret occult conflict. That sure. is the start of the New Age movement. That Helena Blavatsky is the start of of the New Age in in uh, in a modern sense in the United States. She's the one who as not it only pertains is there, to like physical health and stuff like yeah. It, well, and as it as it pertains to taking things from the East and mixing them up with like other stuff right. too, right? Like you can't you can't separate all of that. Like Blavatsky is again, obviously, she's not starting or creating any of this from whole cloth. She's mixing up strands, but she gets the mixture in its modern sense right for the first time. Right. Yeah. And, and God, that, I'm sorry, that, that, uh, that passage is really sticking in my mind. Yeah, it's, it's fucked uh, up. <laughs> incredibly fucked. It's so interesting. Like the things that she's stealing are so like, I mean, she's stealing in a way that I understand why it like resonated with yeah. her audience at the time. And you can see how it just like descends into fucking madness so quickly. The stuff with like the energy healing stuff is always an interesting discussion to me because there's some people now who like, I think the real issue is like when it's brought as like, and you cannot use medicine, like medicine is not a thing you can use. It can only be this. And then that is like, uh, you're going to die like goodbye. Um, and that's like, I think part of why, like a lot of new age people are so vulnerable to like anti-vax rhetoric yep. as well, which like so many of them are. And I don't know, it's it's weird. When I was in Florida doing research, there there were some people who were like energy healing over all medicine. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're in danger. That's fine. Yeah. And then there, but there also were people who were like, I, I, I like that kind of stuff, but it, but I use it as a tool, like almost more of a meditative tool. And then I also go to doctors, which I don't really yeah. give a shit about either well, way. Well, she's nuts. actually, I mean, part of when she, there are a couple of points in her life where she has health issues and it's hard mm-hmm. to tell what's real. Cause a lot of her health issues are like diagnosed by doctors. She channels, um, 
So oh. it's yeah, <laughs> okay. like that's going on here too. Um, like it's 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 cool. Although I haven't come across her saying anything in particular about vaccines. Although this is the 1870s, so that was less of a thing. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know what is a thing, Jamie Loftus? What's thing? Capitalism, baby. Wow, hot take. Thank you. Here's some ads. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. 
For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we're back. You know what I liked about those ads, Jamie? What? I liked that they were ads for Margaritaville. God, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if you had, like, the black card for a Margaritaville? Just... Oh, God. Where they put actual alcohol in the drinks? Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. did you know that we don't? These the... bottles are full of water uh, yeah. and battery acid. With the, <laughs> with the black card, you get actual alcohol, and they'll go get you a burger from Five of Guys so you can actually and... consume <laughs> something that's, that's edible. Or they're like, no, no. At very least, they're like, hey, um, so the burgers still aren't good, but they're not like mysteriously wet. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Wet in a way that isn't right for meat. So No, it's not moist. It's yeah, wet. It's wet. It's soaking wet. Yeah. Anyway, go Nasty. to Margaritaville. We love it. Yeah. So in his okay, first. What's, what's Blavatsky up to? <laughs> in his first article about Helena Blavatsky, Henry Olcott had described her as, quote, a Russian lady of distinguished of distinguished birth, which is accurate. Um, he had also described her as having rare educational and natural endowments, which is also probably accurate, although I think he's kind of saying she's hot there. Uh, then he listed uh, what were becoming the standard Cliff's notes of her life. She had traveled in most lands of the Orient, looked for antiquities at the base of the pyramids, beheld the mysteries of Hindu temples and traveled with armed escort far into the interior of Africa, Um, which Uh, I don't believe she ever spent time in Africa other than like Northern Africa, like Egypt and stuff, but like she's not in the Congo and shit. Um, God. But that's popular at the time, right? This is the scramble for Africa going on. Like white people can't not get enough stories of explorers in Africa. So she's got to throw that in the resume. Now, at first, Helena played coy about her beliefs regarding spiritualism. She didn't think any of the mediums who dotted the land were speaking to ghosts, but again, basically psychic echoes. She was also an occultist, Mm -hmm. so she believed that magic could be used to accomplish things. Um, Once she'd known Olcott for a while and been the subject of several articles, she confided to him that she had a secret purpose in the United States, which was to reveal the truth about spiritualism to people. So she brings Olcott and she's like, look, hey, this is all – Like, do you want to join me in my secret quest to, like, pill the world about the occult? Um, Like, the United States needs to know that they've been getting spiritualism wrong. And, like, I'm trying to sneak into this community to to get this across. So Mm – In her public writings and statements, she gradually becomes more and more emphatic about her true beliefs. And this leads to something of an uproar in the spiritualist community. Some people pointed out rightly that it was dishonest for her to hide her real feelings just to make a name for herself in a field she didn't believe in. Uh, She would later Mm -hmm. make up lurid stories about how she'd attempted to join occult groups in Europe in the United States and been kicked out due to some nefarious plot to keep her from spreading her knowledge to the general population. She would like Jeez. fake death threats against herself. She would also fake letters from different occult organizations to Olcott um, in order to like be like, you have to do this. We're the the order of uh, the fucking, I don't know, some some uh, uh, Osiris or some shit in Egypt. And like, you need to do this. Where do you find the fucking time? I just, I think it's interesting that all like, she does, it does seem like- mm-hmm. She, the, like she would she would have infiltrated kind of any place that was vulnerable to 
her infiltrating yeah. it. And I, and I, cause I was sort of like, because her ideas divert so wildly, so quickly, you're like, why spiritualism? And you're like, oh, I guess that there's like only so many religious movements that were accessible to women yeah. at all. So yeah. that would have been an easy one. Yeah. I mean, th there's a number of reasons it makes sense. So yeah. after her articles with Olcott start to really get big, she gets a letter from a guy named Jerry Brown, who has a, a popular magazine called The Spiritual Scientist. And he basically mm. over time agrees to like, starting with just kind of give it, letting her write articles, he basically turns his magazine into her personal mouthpiece which she uses to spread her beliefs even happens. wider. Yeah. yeah. Um, eventually, all the press around her earns her another interview with a mainstream publication, like the first real big one focused on her. It's by the Daily Graphic, which is a sizable publication at the time. Mead writes, quote, at the newspaper office, she blew smoke at the reporter and narrated a life story peppered with more falsehoods than a cookie has crumbs. Knocking three years from her age, she presented herself as a former child bride married to a doddering 73-year-old whose habits were not agreeable to me, and as I had a fortune of my own, I decided to travel. She mentioned having lived huh. in England and Egypt, also in the Sudan, where she made a small fortune after cornering the ostrich feather market, and at Baden-Baden, where she lost a fortune at the gambling tables. In fact, she declared, money meant nothing because fortunately she had received a legacy from Princess Bagration. Goggling, the reporter kept lighting Helena's cigarettes and repeating, that's a remarkable statement, to which HBP would solemnly reply, it's true. Name dropping constantly, she reeled off stories about Daniel Holm, Charles Darwin, whose work she claimed to have translated into Russian while in Africa, Tsar Alexander, and other persons likely to impress a newspaper reporter. And hmm. he seems to be kind of both a little bit it's a combination of like laughing at her, but also kind of dazzled by her. Um, he again right. describes her as handsome and voluptuous in his article. A lot of it, all the guys who write about her have to talk sure, about her appearance and stuff. Yeah. Um, Narsty. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. Um, and yeah, by 1875, by late 1875, she's probably the most influential occult and spiritualist like related figure in the country. And she decides then that it was finally the time to form a secret society. This one themed after the Rosicrucian lodges that she believed had once existed. So she and Olcott start what they called the Miracle Club, which sounds like a modern, like, yeah, like everyone puts in $10 that and you're sounds, gonna get back a million and yeah. That does sound like <laughs> Like a place that I could walk by. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Uh, even Lockman admits nothing too miraculous happened in it, um, but he doesn't really talk <laughs> about what the Miracle Club is. Mead goes into a lot more detail. She says it was basically a private seance club for New York socialists who were forbidden to I speak see. about what they saw during the seances, um, which was mainly just to like make them feel special, right? Like if you make everyone sign a blood right. oath, I mean, you yeah, talk introduce about the exclusionary yeah. element exactly, to it. Exactly, sure. exactly. And this was like a big, like, especially in New York City was like middle upper class kind kind of yeah, stuff yeah. to do. I mean, uh, to be honest, this is this is just a precursor to like the Bored Ape Yacht Club and stuff. Like, oh, you get this like secret mm -hmm. chat room with all these influencers and stuff and like nobody gets to know what goes on in there. Um, and, and and it's funny because usually what happens is nothing. Nothing <laughs> like, at all because yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are very boring people looking for something to make them feel exciting. Um, so the medium that she brought on for this is a guy named David Dana, whose brother was the editor of the New York Sun, which is why she picks him, right? Because she's, she's always looking for publicity. The whole thing collapses, though, because Dana wanted to be paid for the work that he was doing. And Blavatsky was like, oh, no, you're, we're not going to pay you for doing this thing that's making us a bunch of money. Um, mm -hmm. So he does the 19th century version of Canada canceling her on social media. Um, Olcott later wrote, quote, the wretch failed utterly, not only as a medium, but was also reported to us as having spread calumnies against the one who had done him kindness. 
the kindness of unpaid Ooh. labor. Um, oh, yeah. It's, uh, no, it's he's great. getting paid an exposure, Robert. Okay, he is so getting paid an exposure, but also they can't talk about it. <laughs> Listen, that's been, that's, look, that's how yeah. I didn't make an income for fucking mm-hmm. six or seven years. Um, you were famously channeling people from my miracle club, um, which we're not allowed to talk about. Everyone we're not allowed to talk about mm-hmm. it, no. No, no. So despite her growing notoriety, times were tough for an aspiring spiritual guru. Uh, an economic recession had brought a swift end to the easy cash that some spiritual grifters had enjoyed over the last few years. In a letter to a friend, Blavatsky wrote, There is terrible panic. Those who have got money hide it, and those who have not are dying of hunger. It all does sound a lot like NFTs. Honestly, like there's a weird similarity <laughs> between like that crash and like the way they write about it, at least. Um, I know, but it's like I also don't really buy how she writes about it. Like I I just assume almost anything she says is like overblown, like blown out yes. of proportion because of her flair for the dramatique. And she yeah, she's she's claiming in some of these letters that her income, she's making more than six thousand dollars a year, which is like a lot of money in the day. That's a very healthy income. But she's also yeah. claiming at the same time. I'm broke because I keep putting all of the money back into the movement. Um, huh. Right. So like, she, I, yeah, could be true. I mean, it's like hard to there. I, I know at least with spiritualism, but there, there was always an issue with like the, it being like an influential movement, but the numbers being like, constantly like really really yeah. really inflated to the point where everyone was like how could this religion be going broke and it's like well not as many people are a part of it as they're saying and it seems fair to say that like primarily the thing keeping her going is Olcott who's good at raising funds who's good at like putting money together and, and stuff and, and he and had ma- like pre-existing cloud yes yes and he yeah. he's making sure that there's always money and she's kind of working him to the bone right because uh, she has expensive tastes including a pound a day tobacco habit Now, Mm -hmm. at the time, the center of Blavatsky's social life was the Lotos Club, a parlor where she and Olcott held court with regular audiences of spiritualists, mediums, and, quote, bright, clever people of occult leanings, according to Olcott. Many of the latter Mm -hmm. were scientists, lawyers, doctors, clergymen, and other people with the kind of influence and resources that could support a a growing movement. One of them, Reverend Dr. J.H. Wiggin, edited a paper called The Liberal Christian. He wrote after a visit that topics (laughs) at the solo— Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Um, the liberal Christian. He wrote after a visit that topics discussed in the night at the salon included whether or not flowers had souls, penises and religious worship, gravitation, something called jugglery, and chemistry. <laughs> I think it's juggling science. Jugglery. <laughs> Isn't that just physics? Like yeah. what? what is, um, that's bad. That, it's so funny. That like. That sounds so silly. And I'm also like, yeah, that's like exactly the kind of like conflations that would happen all yeah. the time of like stuff that sounds absolutely ridiculous. But like at the time you're like, yeah, let's not rule out that flowers have souls because uh, there's we're about to get fucking planes and like x-rays exist like sh- yeah. and, and ice cream has been invented. Yes, it's 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 awesome. Um, it's and a it's wild time. Yeah, it's it's. It's interesting. One of the things that this guy complains about that a lot of people complain about is her chain smoking and how bad it makes everything smell. And again, (laughs) this is the 1870s and dudes keep being like, this lady smokes a lot. Like this lady is smoking too much. It is, uh, no one is never not smoking How in this period, and she smokes a lot. To alarm someone in 1870. I mean, think about think about how much a cigarette weighs, and think about what a pound a day of tobacco actually means to smoke. <laughs> That's to, like a brick like, of cigars. <laughs> I kind of blocked that out since our last recording, and a pound. 
that that's a nightmare hope, amount of tobacco. <laughs> I hope that that is the only figure in this entire story that has not been inflated. I, that I it's don't just think it absolutely is absolutely true. It is it, one of the reasons why I think that's probably accurate is so many different kinds of people comment on it that like, yeah, mm. this lady smokes like nobody I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, now, it was from this porous group of hangers-on who formed Blavatsky's parlor that the Theosophical Society would develop. Mead writes, mm. On Tuesday, September 7th, a crowd of 17 gathered in her parlor to hear George H. Felt, an engineer and architect, give an unusually dense lecture on the lost canon of proportion of the Egyptians. This was not Felt's first appearance at Madame's, for he had been introduced by one of the regulars, Charles Sutheran, a rare book expert who was editor at the, of the American Bibliopolist. Uh, Helena had felt had found felt interesting and asked him to give an informal lecture, which would offer her guests something out of the ordinary. Having brought with him some nicely done illustrations, felt began somewhat ponderously by explaining his theory that the architectural proportion employed by the ancient Egyptians was actually observed in Templar hieroglyphics. The audience proceeded to yawn, but visibly perked up when felt went on to remark that the Egyptians had been adepts in magical science and that some of their hieroglyphic figures were realistic drawings of elementals. The messenger spirits who pop up at seances. He himself, he added modestly, had discovered an ancient formula for evoking elementals. Would it be possible for him to do a demonstration? Could he actually call forth an elemental? He announced that he could, if they were willing to finance the operation and pay for his time. Of course, Henry wrote in Old Diary Leaves, we passed on an informal vote of hearty thanks for his highly interesting lecture and an animated discussion followed. While people were chatting, it occurred to Henry that it would be good a good thing to form a society to pursue and promote such occult research. On a scrap of paper, he scribbled, would it not be a good thing to form a society for this kind of study? And handed it to William Judge to pass over to HPB, who read it and nodded her head. Olcott got up and presented his idea to enthusiastic murmurs, and George Felt promised he would teach them to evoke and control elementals. Thus, it was unanimously agreed that Olcott's society would be formed. This is what mm. becomes theosophy. Which, it, this, based on that description, does sound kind of par for the course with how um, the the great beyond and science were kind of related at the time. There's usually some sort of like scientific, like intermediary. So for like, I mean, you know, because you were you and Paul F. Tomkins were all were on that entire episode. It was like ectoplasm. That was like an, an excreting goop that mediums could make that would connect you to the like this. This all sounds kind of par for the course. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, yet I feel another hard left. <laughs> well, again, because they're number one, they're, they're trying to like actually control this stuff, which is, which is different, yeah. but um, no, it, it it's not wildly different from the kind of things that are going to come later on. And, and part of that, part of like the fact that it isn't wildly different is why Blavatsky is not that into it at first. Again, it's Olcott. Right. who's the guy who starts uh, what becomes uh, oh, the Theosophical okay. Society. Um, Interesting. Now, obviously later on, she would claim that the society had been formed at the, at, by her her master in Tibet had ordered her to make a, a society, and like that's how it had started. Um, My imaginary friend said, "Yeah, so but she only starts claiming that after it gets big, right?" Um, Got it. 
like at first it's it's small there's like financial difficulties um yeah we'll talk about that in a second but when they form what becomes the theosophical society um it's with the promise to provide seekers with quote a synthesis of science religion and philosophy the society had three objectives number one to form a nucleus of the universal brotherhood of humanity without distinction of race creed sex caste or color two to encourage the study of comparative religion philosophy and science three to investigate the unexplained laws of nature and the powers latent in man. Now, despite, again, her later claims, Blavatsky seems to have mostly sat back and let Olcott do the organizing and fundraising while she, like, smokes a bunch and goes on vacations. I mean, and, someone's got to yeah. keep mommy uh, full of figs. Yeah, keep mommy full of figs. She's, she's, um, and, you know, she, uh, it was the kind of thing where she would be very hands-off until he did something she didn't like, and then she would have, And then like, she'd lose it? Well, she would, no, she would have one of her ghost, or her spirit friends send him a letter. That's like, oh, the guys oh, in Tibet okay. want you to do something different, buddy. Look at that. It's pretty it's, smart. It, yeah. Pretty smart. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, of course, there were issues uh, at once, namely the fact that George Felt never managed to summon an elemental. Um, Henry was hesitant to throw more of the fa- of the society's money at the man, but Helena convinced him that he would do the deed eventually. So Henry kept putting society money in to f- like fund this guy who was a grifter. Felt takes the money and like just disappears eventually. Um, and this causes skeptics in New York to mock the society. Membership falls. There's like articles about this stuff. And Helena herself stops attending meetings entirely. Um, Mm. Now, she had a lot to worry about in her personal life at this point. She'd gotten bigamously married and was struggling to hide her second husband from her first one. Um, She'd also started to- Who's Mr. Second? Oh, there's these these two fucking guys. It's not important. Um, But yeah, she's definitely like illegally married to two people at the same time. Um, Got it. She's also started to work on a book which Mead writes was intended to, quote, salvage the ancient world from the modern stigma of superstition and ignorance. In short, she wanted to write a book that would synthesize all her knockoff Buddhist and Hindu beliefs with American spiritualism. For months, Henry funded her writing and trips to upstate New York to do more writing while she smoked and Mm -hmm. fucked her illegal husbands. She is not getting a lot of writing done for the first, like, year or so that she's working on this book. Um, mm-hmm. But she is getting a lot of illegal marriage stuff done. So that's that's good. You know what else is illegal, Jamie? What, all the products that we're about to that's be advertising? Right, that's right. Every product Woo! that supports this podcast. This week is Crime Week, and we are entirely sponsored by uh, illegal explosives. Um, crime um, Week. Controlled wow. substances. Uh, awesome. The works of Woody Allen. Yeah. Um, all all our sponsors okay. this week. You've lost me. You've lost me. Well, yeah. You know, you, you, look. <sighs> look. Look, if you're going to be into crimes, you got to be into crimes, Jamie. Okay. Well, I, I, I renounce... I renounce uh, that brand of. Let's just cut to a break. Let's just cut to a break rather than <laughs> discussing the the cult hit that Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <laughs> oh my god! Everyone, go uh, see Minions. Yeah, go see Minions. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand-new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we're back jamie do you think woody allen got minions like if they follow I'm around not villains. talking to you about woody allen anymore can i tell you something though no okay um I do you know how I told you earlier I was eating Easy Mac before the episode? Is that a lie? Yes, but only because I was eating Swift Mac. 
was eating off-brand Easy Mac called Swift Mac. Is it easier or is it harder? It was harder and less good. Now, do you think the Minions had anything to do with Swift Mac? No, I don't think that. No, because they're they're uh, one thing you have to know about the Minions, Robert, is they love bananas, and that's kind of like oh, they're only they are yellow in food. Interesting. Now, yeah, there's something Freudian going on there. But you think the Minions are going to explore that? I don't. Speaking of bananas. Um, yeah. and speaking of the minions primarily, Olcott is Helena Blavatsky's minion. Um, and so while Whoa. she's, while she's bigamously like married, no, while no, she's no, like, like him, she's, she's grew, he's minions. Yeah, she is definitely grew. And, and again, she is, <laughs> she's kind of abusing him during this period of time. Cause she's, she's she is grew, living, right? she is living well, right? She's not only sure. like has these secret husbands, but like she's, she's living a ver- a life of leisure and luxury off of society money, which is provided by Olcott. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, she has started to preach aestheticism, the idea that like in order to be an occultist, you have to avoid all of the pleasures of the flesh. You can't have sex, right? A good occultist isn't fucking. You have to be like celibate. Uh, You don't eat meat. You have to be a vegetarian. Um, you mm-hmm. can't drink alcohol. And like Henry, a lot of the the early culture of like the salon and stuff that they they ran together was like based on drinking. They had a bar. So he changes his life on a dime when she, she starts preaching this. And in fact, he gets so obsessed with like the different rules about food that she is not abiding by herself, but that she makes that he becomes anorexic. Like he stops eating for days at a oh time. Oh my God. Yeah. It's pretty, <laughs> she, she really does a number on this guy. <laughs> And oh my god, that's so um that makes me so sad for yeah, he I, mean, is, I don't know. He, I was again, like, that was like, a twist I wasn't expecting. He is such a he is such a follower to her. Like it's right. amazing. Like again, there's so it's clearly like a brainwashing just like, situation. It's either brain I you could look at it that way, and maybe that's the right way to do it, or maybe it's just that like for whatever reason, this guy had a hole in his life that she just figured out perfectly how to fill. Like you do, you get the feeling with Olcott that he was always waiting to be this guy while he was like kind of like sleepwalking through life successfully. He was like, this is the thing that he wanted was to like be this witch lady, wizard lady. Be like like a disciple of someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So while- while he's living this way at her orders, uh, Thomas Stawazinski describes Blavatsky's lifestyle. Uh, she worked on it, the book, every day, stopping only for meal breaks. Her favorite food was fried eggs soaked in butter. She smoked one cigarette after another. Olcott estimated that she w- could get through up to 100 cigarettes a day. Madame claimed she received a lot of her materials and telepathic messages from Moria and Kuthumi, but healthy lifestyle advice seemed beyond the master's area of expertise. Um, and she does eventually come out with her book. Uh, it takes her a couple of years, but Isis Unveiled comes out in September of 1877. Yes. Uh, Tomas writes, mm-hmm. quote, it was founded on one major claim. All the religions of the world, both those currently followed and the ones to come, derived from one common source, ancient hermetic philosophy. Its basic premises are contained in Corpus Hermeticum, a text of unclear origin, translated into Italian and popularized in the 15th century by a Renaissance philosopher, Marsilio Ficino. According to Corpus Hermeticum, the universe is an intricate system of various emanations. Material reality is a product of a complex evolutionary process, which subtle spiritual levels of existence create new layers, denser and more physical. The history of the human race is subject to the same law, but in fact, it works in an opposite direction than proposed by Charles Darwin. Humans evolved Mm -hmm. downwards, so to speak, from advanced spiritual beings to more lowly forms. But there is another aspect of it, too. The human spirit, trapped inside the physical body, misses the perfection of higher planes of reality. The spirit 
spirit can develop and protect and perfect itself through theosophy to turn to its sources as soon as possible. Therefore, evolution is two directional. Now, Jamie, okay. does that sound like a religion that's popular in the town where you currently live? <laughs> does that sound at all like Scientology to you? We are spirits it trapped, the, and you can teach it yourself does. to. Be, yeah, exactly. No, sorry. For a second, I thought you were talking. I thought you were you were shit talking Brockton, Massachusetts, and I was like, no, no. they're all Catholics. They're no, uh, no, yes, absolutely. And and this it's, is uh, yeah, it's it's, it's fan fan like uh, scary yeah. fan fiction religion yeah. shit. Yeah, and, and L. Ron Hubbard is he's obviously not alive when she is doing her shit, but he is. Is he is he into her? I actually oh I yes, don't know he's hugely into Blavatsky. Okay. He reads her a bunch when sense. he's younger. He like because he's he's very much into the occult shit of the twenties. He he has sex magic with Jack Parsons, the inventor of the rocket right. engine. Right, like he is absolutely <laughs> right, right, right. into this shit. Yeah, um, and okay. he. Okay, clearly, so he is. He's red ice or something else. Yeah, in the same way, she's like ripping off the Corpus Hermetic, uh, the Corpus Hermeticum. She's taking bits of Edward Bulwer, uh, Edward Bulwer Lytton stuff. She's mixing in like Eastern religion. L. Ron Hubbard is just doing a version of what she did to her stuff too, right? Like that's right. and he's like mixing and in his case, he's taking the new, fairly new science at the time of like psychology and mixing that in with this occultist stuff. Um, right. Well, it's also and like at the the beginning of psychology was also like influenced by spiritualism at the For time sure. like some yeah. of the first psychological texts involved spiritualism and then like phased it out pretty thoroughly by like the early 1900s but like early stuff i which i just like didn't didn't know yeah um but yeah all, all this shit's interconnected but that is that is very uh that's that's ringing some miscavige bells for yep. old jamie yep now, before Isis unveiled, Helena Blavatsky had been, again, very prominent in the New York weirdo occultist spiritualist scene. Because of her writing, there were people around the world who knew of her. But after it, this book is a hit. And after it, she becomes a bona fide yeah. celebrity. Suddenly, the Theosophical Society was swarmed with new potential members. New York High Society began to delve back into alternative religion, now with a much stronger occult angle. From time to time, Blavatsky would put on shows, summoning objects from far away, having letters delivered by her teleporting spectral master masters etc. With fame came Mo Money, but Jamie, with Mo Money came Mo Problems. Journalists That's the began first time to, I'm hearing this. I know, I invented that phrase. Journalists wow. began to turn their eyes to her budding empire, and they start tearing apart her claims Ooh. of celibacy and aestheticism, because she's claiming, like, right, I have never had sex, you know, I don't indulge in any of these vices of the flesh, which, like, she's out in public doing all this stuff. Like, everyone is like, yeah, she's, like, bigamously married, everyone talks about it, and, like, she's constantly smoking and eating all of this rich food, like... Where it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, like live your life, but that's, yeah, you're, you're in not direct doing opposition this. to like, everything it, yeah. you say. It's, that's, uh, I, I can't get past your use of the phrase budding empire. Yeah, it is. She's, she's making an empire. Yucky. Yeah. I know. Um, but that phrase is just really, um, it's like, it's a horny phrase. It is a horny phrase. Um, and Helena Blavatsky, probably a pretty horny person. If you can yeah, judge by that the fact that she was bigamously married. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but we are, we're not ready to talk about that. No. Um, so it was pointed out that many of these letters seem to be written in her handwriting by these journalists who start, like, tearing her apart. Um, mm. And so it, it just becomes, like, the the fact that she gets so famous also leads to a lot of negative attention. 
Um, and you get the feeling it just kind of overwhelms her at a certain point. And now that she's got money, she has the opportunity to like maintain and build this religion that she started somewhere other than the United States where people are looking too much into her business. L. Ron Hubbard does this too, right? He moves to England and then he takes to the sea. She goes to England first also like L. Ron Hubbard and sets up offices there. But after she's like established theosophy in England, she moves to India And that is what we're going to talk about in part four, along with finally a lot more information about how she accomplished a lot of these tricks, because it's after India that that becomes clear. And then we're going to talk about the Nazis. But Jamie, you know who's not a Nazi? Uh, Definitely me. That's right. That's right. Why don't you plug your pluggables? Awesome credit for me. Um, Okay. Uh, You can uh, listen to my podcast, Ghost Church on Cool Zone Media. Uh, It's about the history of American spiritualism, which I think we've officially now diverged from at this point in the story. Um, And so you can hear about the history and then uh, me going to a spiritualist camp in Florida there. Or you can Mm -hmm. follow me on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help, Instagram, Jamie Christ Superstar. Go nuts. Find Jamie on the internet. Listen to Ghost Church. It is the best podcast that you can listen to right now. Um, Your episode um, was truly, uh, I think, my favorite in the series. You and Paul just really beautiful stuff. You know, you, you, there's a lot on the cutting room floor. When you when you finally release the Loftus cut um, and that that full five-hour conversation we had – you know, I we, think that we, people are going to be upset, but that yeah, uh, people will understand, was, you know, it would be controversial to yeah, release a lot of what was said. Yeah. And I, I honestly, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on this a lot, but I think a lot of what we said about Donald Rumsfeld was legally slander. Um, but Well, why do you think it didn't air, Robert? Why that's do you right, think that's it didn't right. air? Jamie Loftus protecting Donald Rumsfeld. And you, <laughs> the listener... Go home and find a way to protect Donald Rumsfeld in your own life until part four. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher back with another season of the global number one podcast the girlfriends last time we investigated the murder of gail katz this time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.